see dogs. Dogs are like, oh yeah, what's up? Oh man. Hey, hey. Oh, okay. It's probably, Joey. Oh, is it is it time to eat? They're probably thrilled with the the sensation of all those scents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what is that? He's fucking biting me. Yeah. Maybe because you farted in his face. <laughs> yeah, probably tastes delicious. <laughs> Welcome to the So Late It's Early Show. Brought to you by The Graduates. Welcome to the So Late It's Early Show. My name is James. I'm joined with some of my friends. Joey. And, um, you know, usually we have uh, a very special Anish. Very special (laughs) Anish, yeah. That's that's what I'm going to say. We have a very special friend, Anish, who's usually here with us, but um, couldn't make it to today's episode. Um, So instead, we brought on a much more beautiful and amazing Indian man, Art Shah. Please introduce yourself, Art. Hey guys, um, I'm everything you wanted in a niche and more. <laughs> so that's very broad because that's pretty much everything. Uh, so could you be more specific, sir? I'm taller, darker, and handsomer. Oh, yeah. He hits okay. on all the criteria. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You should see my legs, they're not as pale as his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you actually. Uh, Let's say you're darker than I am as a white man. That's a good sign. Yeah. Anish, fake Indian. <laughs> Conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> Anish is actually a white dude. <laughs> um, and yeah, so uh, today's episode might be a little bit different from, from what we usually do. Um, we're we're going to be trying some different things out and, you know, just, just having some fun. Uh, today's topic is Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. It's a book by... Sebastian Younger. Younger. Yeah. Right. Younger? 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 <laughs> um, I'll pull up the. Uh, I should have had this ready, actually. I, I did have it ready. I don't know why it's not here. Um, I'll pull up the, the quick intro. Um, essentially, but essentially, Tribe is a book that uh, Joey's been recommending to me for a long time now. Recommending to pretty much everyone he talks to, actually. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. That's fair. <laughs> just yeah, just like MeUndies. <laughs> yeah, just like MeUndies. Yeah, it's another plug. Um, but but essentially, Tribe goes into history, psychology, and anthropology, um, exploring what we can learn from tribal societies about loyalty, belonging, and uh, the human quest for meaning. It explains the irony that for many veterans as well as civilians, war feels better than peace, adversity can turn out to be a blessing, and disasters are sometimes remembered more fondly than weddings or tropical vacations. Tribe explains why we are stronger when we come together, and how that can be achieved even into today's divided world. Um, so yeah, just co- going into the book, I guess I had a very different thought of like how what the book was going to be about. Just because I feel like every time you had mentioned it in the past, mm-hmm. it was it almost seemed to be almost in a negative light, almost like oh you know, people form tribes and that's why we have like so much division. Mm-hmm. But what he seems to be arguing, at least when I was uh, going through it, um, what he seemed to be arguing was that it would be beneficial for us to become more tribal, right? Like how, uh, if we work together as a group, you know, we'll, we'll, it helps, it'll help solve a lot of issues that we're facing right now. Yeah, I looked at it as more as like America being too big to be the tribe mm-hmm. and where people instead will go back to like actual small tribes where the guy next door you're trying to kill rather than like get along with that kind of thing like an us versus them 
because they're different. They're not a part of our tribe. Are you saying that's how you interpreted the book? You're saying, uh, that's how I look at like tribalism, where I guess it's more of a pessimistic okay. kind of outlook versus right. the optimistic. Right. I, I guess I just it was a little bit different from what I was expecting. You know, mm-hmm. just going into it. Because um, yeah, like like you were saying, like a lot of the stuff you were talking about was always like, oh, you know, we we form teams around sports, mm-hmm. uh, form teams around politics and things like that, and as mm-hmm. a result of tribalism, we're very divided. Um, but the book kind of goes into a lot of different things. Um, for example, in the first chapter, he talks about Native American society and how apparently uh, back in the day, um, when the earliest the earliest settlers were coming over to America, they uh, they would actually be attracted to uh, American Indian. That's how, that's how, what they were calling it, right? American yeah, American Indian. Indian was the name that was given by like a, a chief or in the tribe. Right. Because it was the best. Because Native American was too broad because that was any American, anyone who lived here, not necessarily that was Amer- uh, Indian. Gotcha. So, yeah. So don't be offended because right. that's what they wanted. Right, just a preface. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so basically what they were finding was despite these tribes not being as civilized, quote-unquote, you know, um, people who who joined these tribes or were taken by these tribes often would not want to uh, go back to their old European-style life. Um, and it, it was very interesting because they kind of talked a lot about um, the idea of, like, freedom and security, essentially, and the trade-off we kind of make there, where, um, you know, a lot of these... American Indian societies were uh, nomadic, right? And so as a result, everyone was contributing to the group. Everyone was trying to forward the group. And as a result, people were more egalitarian and they were also more free to be able to do the things that they wanted. And uh, that caused a lot of people to, to not want to leave, right? Mm-hmm. So, so on the other side, though, I, I guess there's the whole security thing where mm-hmm. um, when you trade in that nomadic life for like agriculture you get more security in being able to guarantee that you're going to be alive um but we kind of as a result created much more of a hierarchy that we lived by and essentially created the first the first seeds of like capitalist thinking mm-hmm. in a way right it was life was like agriculture was a job right but hunting was just a way of life and like you enjoyed going out and hunting with either by yourself or with your your friends your your other tribal your other tribe members but then if you just had to work on a farm like that that was a job right and it was taken as one yeah and um so so i guess the first thing i kind of wanted to to talk to you guys about um you know how how would how would you guys feel you think if uh, you were thrust into like one of these societies where essentially um according to the book uh native native indian tribes American Indian tribes would work like at most like 12 hours a week or something Mm -hmm. um, in order to provide food for themselves and and so either we could have a completely free lifestyle one where we're very like in tune with the earth uh, very free where you can do whatever you want you you only have to work 12 hours a day just to make food or would you rather be in a society like where we have now um, you know much more technologically advanced much more security much more wealth overall but um, in very much a different way, you you don't have the same freedom because so much of your time is dedicated to constantly just working and things like that. But you know it's always a trade off. Um, 
just any any thoughts yeah i mean i feel like the so so i, I would probably personally choose like the free freedom life you know mm-hmm. like more um roaming around and, and not necessarily having like a nine to five job or, or whatever it might be um because i feel like just in general the way humans have evolved is living a life like that like we weren't bred to be sitting in an, in an office for nine to ten hours a day right. right five days a week or whatever like we, we were kind of bred to um live with nature right and kind of just you know roam freely and stuff like that that's kind of how our mind has transformed over millions of years mm-hmm. or have we been around for that long? I don't, I don't even. I don't know. think we've been around. Um, I think the oldest human now maybe they like found a couple million. No, uh, sure? not even like a really? couple hundred thousand. Two. I'll fact check. The you. oldest they found they found actually recently more bones of older, um, older people. Might yeah. have been two hundred thousand, and then like they might have found something seven hundred thousand. Um, but it would have been very recent in the last year. All right, so seems like the earliest like. Pre-Homo sapiens seems uh, like Neanderthal. Yeah, uh-huh. like like th- those type of peoples. Mm-hmm. It seems like um, lived as early as four point six to six point two million years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but modern humans, I guess Homo sapiens, what mm-hmm. we are, started coming up around three hundred thousand years ago. Okay, so yeah, that's the number I was thinking. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I'd still consider it millions of years because right. our brains are technically byproducts of all that right. uh, from whatever it was before homo sapiens but you know what i'm trying to say is like that's how our brains have transformed over the years yeah. and we still don't really understand fully how our brains work but um kind of taking us out of the context of how we've evolved just makes just makes i guess life that much more difficult like yeah sure we might have wealth we might have uh, things to entertain ourselves with but like that's not really what the core of humans are, are looking for they're looking more for that connection with other people and that connection with nature and that's not something you really get in in like a nine-to-five job definitely personal like going on personal stories when we lived at a house in college we had eight of us living there i was living off of five hundred dollars a month with probably $250 of that 500 going towards bills. So I had $250 for food and fun over 30 days, which is not much at all. Right. And that was the happiest year of my life. Probably. <laughs> One of, at least not the happiest. It was top three. Guaranteed. Top three. No question. Right. I would say probably the best year, though. And that was when I was the poorest and struggling the most financially. But the community being around friends and right. just like all the amazing times we had where we didn't need to spend money just talking and learning and just having fun like that to me was worth way more than now when I make a lot more money and all right bear oh, I forgot to mention we're joined by our podcast dog bear hey bear say hi to everybody Thanks, Joe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to do it later on. But yeah, uh, more money. I have more financial freedom. I can buy more stuff, but it's not, it doesn't feel as good. Right. Like, it's, there's nothing quite like true freedom. Like, if you guys, if you guys know the feeling, like when you go on vacation and you don't need to like check your work stuff or you don't need to worry about your phone or social media, do you realize like how, how liberating it honestly feels? 
Like, I'm sure, like, when you go to, like, other countries and you're not connected, it's like, whoa. When I was in Iceland and I couldn't go on Instagram or anything, at first I was like, oh, this, I can't even check. I was, it was, it was at a time where I was checking, I saw every post that every follower I had was posting every day. I scrolled through and I made sure to get to yesterday. And after that trip, I just stopped caring because I realized, like, how much of, it, how little it was doing for me and how much of a waste of a time it was and how it was negatively affecting my mood and behavior. It's freeing. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Like, true freedom. And, and So so one of the things I wanted to get into, um, which I kind of read about, was um, the whole theory that there's two different kinds of freedoms. Um, one being the freedom to do something and the, freedom, and the other being the freedom from something. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of... I think what a lot of what governments are doing, um, like by setting up law, um, a lot of it is freedom from. A lot of our society is based on freedom from. Um, so, so, for example, you know, when the United States first came up, I, we were under England, English control, right? The king con- ruled everything. And when we made the Declaration of Independence, we basically set out these principles of saying, you know, these are the basic human free, or, or no, the Constitution, sorry. When we, when we made the Constitution, we basically said, like, these are. The, the basic freedoms that pe- that the government should not be able to take away mm-hmm. from people, but the fact, but basically, it's saying like, oh, we had to make these rules to say, hey, you can't take these from us. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our society now is revolved around freedom from rather than the freedom to do things. That that's the Second Amendment right there is the freedom to own a gun versus the security of not being able to be shot by one. And that's what the argument now is pretty much boiled down to. Yeah. The fight of the different kind of freedom. But uh, what I learned in sociology was you trade uh, freedom for security. So okay. no free or full freedom. You can do whatever you want. You can kill people, but they can kill you. So then you trade in the freedom of murder for the security of not being murdered. And then it goes from there. So. Try, just want to make sure I understand freedom to and freedom from. So like... Freedom so, two, right? So you're so think of it like this, I guess. So like, um, when you when you have freedom from something. So right now we have the freedom from having our speech censored from the from okay. the First Amendment, right? Yep. Um, but for example, uh, because maybe we're not very affluent, we're not rich, we don't exactly have the freedom to do certain things. Um, so for okay. example, you're naturally kept from, like, say you wanted to be an artist it's probably not very economically feasible for you to be an artist because you don't have the freedom to you don't have the money or whatever resources you need to become an artist gotcha like that you know yeah because i was thinking more along the lines of laws limiting your freedom to do things like burning things or (laughs) burning houses killing people yeah Yeah. right you don't have the freedom to kill people but you know that makes sense yeah so um the book, the book goes into a lot of different interesting things. Um, I think one of the interesting points that he kind of brings up is uh, what three needs humans have to be content. Um, and he says to feel competent in what they do, to feel authentic in their lives and a- autonomous, and to feel connected with other humans. Um, and, and so I, I guess going through this book, it kind of made me realize just like how much modern society really actually neglects pretty much all of these. Yeah. I, I guess we can start with like feeling competent at mm-hmm. what you do. Like 
you know the world we live in where what like 80 percent of people hate their jobs or something yeah. right most of us About. sit behind desks right just not everyone but most of us just kind of sit behind desks like mm-hmm. doing nothing all day um and 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 that kind of environment just it's not very conducive for for healthy people right if you don't feel like you're doing anything um uh when me and manual labor when i am working with another guy say who's a carpenter and my job is to just get him the tools he needs where it's like hey can you grab me a hammer hey can you grab me this saw stuff like that you feel so worthless because you're like i'm not here to bring i'm here so he doesn't have to stand up walk 15 feet and grab something so i'm completely worthless and you feel like that you feel like yeah i'm making money but like i'd rather be home like why am i even here you just feel like shit and it's so boring it's just yeah it's like it doesn't feel good i feel like and it's kind of jumping the gun but i feel like a lot of these points and relates back to the effect of like social media and mm-hmm. stuff like that as well right like no way. so so feeling confident right like sure a lot of people don't like their job but they still might be good at their job right right, right. but you go on social media and you see like all these people getting new jobs or um doing you know they got a promotion or whatever right but you're not seeing the same results in what you're doing even though you're doing a great job right yeah. so you're comparing yourself to like what other people are posting online and it feels like you're falling behind in a sense right Right. so like for competency you might not feel like you're doing as good of a job as you actually are or authenticity like people really aren't authentic all right we have a quick interruption (laughs) we'll be right back we'll be right back all right yeah so i have some amazon packages coming i didn't realize they would be ringing the bell um but how else are they gonna get in I don't know how they usually now, get in. Now we no, know. Actually, <laughs> I'm trying to think what 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 did you just say before that went off? Because I thought it was uh, social media. Oh, the other thing is too is like uh, a big thing I've heard from financial advisors and everything is you are on social media. Say you're you're working your job, you're working your ass off, you don't have any money, and you see people you know going on these like vacations and stuff, and you might be thinking like, oh, I'm fucking up. Like this person's doing so much. Not realizing like this person just took on $2,000 of credit card debt to go. Or this person's girlfriend paid. This person's parents paid. This person's grandparents paid. Like you don't know how they got there. So you think of your life and how you're not there and not realizing like they might have just done something incredibly stupid or something had just been handed to them. And also with jobs is like look at me is like there's times I talk to people where I'm out I'm at a lake house working outside and it's beautiful out and you're thinking like oh I'm in a fucking office this sucks but then you might not think like oh wait but if I was getting paid that much like I wouldn't be able to live the life I live so sometimes people have these cool jobs but they're not making like maybe they're just doing something cool for ten dollars an hour right so that's like yeah that's that's why it's cool the next part was obviously feeling authentic, feeling like you're doing what you want to do, feeling like you have a sense of autonomy in your life. Um, and, you know, modern life very much kind of restricts that. As much as we want to say we do have freedom to do things because we're so wealthy, um, at the same time, we're so restricted because we have to work from this to this, 
five days out of the week. So essentially like the real time that you have to do actually what you want to do is quite limited, right? And if you work like you you guys have in the past where you can't really get to a lot of stores and different places you need to go Monday through Friday, then you have to go Saturday. So then half your day Saturday is doing errands that mm-hmm. you needed to do for last week and for maybe the next week. Right. So everyone's doing it at the same time. Yeah. Yes. So then everyone's <laughs> doing it and then every, it takes forever to do everything and the, boom, another half day wasted. Yeah. And then I guess like off your point of, you know, you're working from here to here and yeah, you might have the wealth to do things. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like a picture that I saw uh, a long time ago. It was like a, a young man, like teens, uh, middle-aged man, like working man, and then an elderly, like elderly retired man. Right. And, um, pretty much the caption was uh, at any stage in life you really only have two out of three things right so when you're young you have the energy and you have the time to do things but you don't have the money right when you're middle-aged you have the energy and the money but you don't have the time right and when you get old you have the time and you have the money but you're out of energy because yeah you're damn yeah 60 plus years old right so (laughs) (laughs) there's a a work kind of quote i read that like it stuck with me obviously i'll try to make it as short as i can but uh, a man goes on vacation to Italy. He's like a businessman, so he, you know, he works 60 hours a week. And he sees that a man goes fishing, comes home from a, you know, an eight-hour day of going out fishing, and then spends time playing guitar and singing at a fire with his friends on the beach. And he watches a man all week do that, and he says, Hey, man, like, do you know if you hire a boat, like, you can make so much more money, and you can do all this? And then... Like, you'll be able to make this much more so you can do this much stuff. And then if you do this for this amount of time, then I guess you'll be able to hang out on the beach with your friends and play guitar. Basically, like, yeah, you could work really hard for these 20 years to do that. <laughs> or you could just do what you're doing and right, do it yeah. a little bit every day and actually enjoy your 20 years. Yeah. Right. Just, like, very shortened, but it, it gets the point of, like, you got to enjoy now, too. Yeah, I think it's very important, and I think a huge reason that a lot of people are just unhappy nowadays is that they just don't focus on what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are too drawn into what happened in the past or what happened, what's going to happen in the future, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of makes them, you know, either depressed about what happened or anxious about what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's it's unhealthy because really. Um, a book I, I was reading before, and I actually I gave to you, Joe. Power of Now. Power of Now. It, it kind of talks about it where it's like, when an animal is existing in, in the world, do you think they think about the future? Or do you think they just act on impulse and just do what they need to do? You know, um, and, and as much as we want to say we're beyond animals, we're, we're still animals. You mm-hmm. know, we, we have a lot of that built into us. And so it's we're very much defying a lot of, you know what kind of makes us us in a way mm-hmm. um that that's almost like kind of why i'm against the like grind like the basically like, yeah work 80 hours a week in your 20s and 30s so you can retire right. in your 40s and it's like hey uh you know you can die in your 20s and 30s too right like it's yeah. not guaranteed that if you work 80 hours a week that you're just gonna get to 40 retire and then live this luxurious life like Nah, you could fucking die. You could have a heart attack, like from stress, yeah, from yes. unhealthiness, just overworked. Like, there's nothing guaranteed. Never. Also, doesn't help if you're on salary. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. 
that's a whole different argument of yeah. why being paid per hour or being paid for salary instead of the work that's actually done is less motivating and actually causes you to do less. You're saying paid by hour makes you less motivated? Yeah, because like I've had it. It's very easy to value your time. Well, owners. okay. So you have 10 tasks to do today in eight hours. You do all 10 tasks in six hours. Mm. Okay, here's five more tasks. You do those. You don't get a raise. You don't get appreciated more. Now you have 15 tasks to do. And then you're doing those 15 tasks. And you do. You try to get better and better. And no one gives a fuck. Like your bosses don't care. And it's like, hey, if you keep this up for a year, I'll give you another dollar. And it's like, okay, I'd rather get 10 tasks done in eight hours. Right. And then just live like whatever. But, like I see it with the guys like I've worked with where when it's, hey, when you guys are done, go home. And they'll finish at 2 o'clock so they can go home. Because they'll work 110% for six straight hours because they know they get to go home. But yep. if we have to work a full eight, they'll relax. They'll take breaks. They'll you know work a little bit slower because there's no motivation to actually right. go hard. Right. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, for example, like uh, we, we have a friend who works uh, for a place that if you work, what, nine-hour days or something, you get like every other Friday off. At least like in that way, you, you know, sure, you're working a bunch of hours on those other days, but you have something you're working towards, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that kind of helps with being more motivated to, to just do yeah. what you need to do, you know? I bet it's easier to stay nine hours when you know, like, it actually benefits you. Right. Yeah. Because commuting time also adds up too, right? So if yeah. you're going to be spending that time commuting anyway, might as well yeah. spend that extra hour and save yeah, the guy back. That's always the thing. Like, we don't factor commuting time into what your work day really is. Mm-hmm. If you really think about it, if you add that in, like, geez, a yeah. crazy amount of your life is actually just spent working. Because I think about this. If I work 40, I'm driving, uh, commuting 10, so that's 50. If I'm sleeping six hours a day, which isn't that much, that's 92 hours of my week out of the one, what, 168? Just yeah. right there, that's immediately gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a shame. Um, I think I think it's a shame that we, like, because these rules were, were really never imposed by anybody. It was just kind of a societal <laughs> well, thing. We Western just white culture, like, started right. it, it seems. Which, going back to tribe, if you, like, that's part of why they were like, dude, fuck this. Like, I want to go hunt and <laughs> yeah. hang out with my friends and, like, play instruments at the, like, bang drums by a fire and... And then go hunting and then dance. Like, I don't want to sit in a farm and then have everyone yell at me and then... Right. Yeah, I think one of the quotes that kind of stood out to me, um, I think they were asking, uh, like, white women who, who were removed from the in- Native Indian tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what they were always saying was, yeah, here I have no masters. Yeah. And I think I think that's something which must be very liberating, where right now, you know, you have a boss... You, your boss has a boss. Your boss has a boss has a boss. And then that boss has, like, other people he has to report to, and they have to report to other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, just having so many so many people who have more control over your life, in a way, than you actually have control, mm-hmm. it, it, that's not good, you know? Like, that's not good and, for you. And you deal with people who are trying to prove that they need they need their job is actually, like, meaningful. Right. Where, like, we deal with that with inspectors, where they come in and they're fucking so hard like they're so angry oh okay they're so angry and so serious about everything 
And then it's like, okay, but the guy who's really in charge is coming in, in an hour. So be ready for him. And then that guy comes in. He's like, hey, how you guys doing? Yeah. Well, yeah, this is fine. Oh, this, uh, yeah, you could do this. Like, you know, just get that done. That's cool. Oh, yeah, it's cool. All right, guys, you guys are good. Have a good day. And it's like the dudes who's in charge is the cool one. But the guy who's like constantly got to prove himself mm-hmm. to the boss is the one who's uptight and just like ruins everything. That's actually something I noticed too. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, Arth, but like, um, I feel like a lot of partners or like really high up there people tend to always be very down to earth because they have nobody that they need to impress. You know, mm-hmm. they can say whatever they want to say, be as real with you as possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I wish other people were like like I wish I wish our society didn't force us to have to like put on a mask to talk to like your boss. You know, maybe they got to that level because of their personality, right? So right. is it is it that they became more relaxed and down to earth because they got to that level or, or had they always been like that and is that what differentiated them from like the other people they worked with or were they really good at putting on mask yeah that too mm-hmm. i mean if you've ever played a sport like uh, a teammate who is a cancer to the team mm-hmm. as it's called no matter how good they are it's like you know what i'd rather be worse i'd rather lose more games than have to deal with you and people are like that in the workplace of like, hey, yeah, you're doing a great job. Why don't you go get this promotion in this uh, job in this office in Nebraska? Like, <laughs> you did great, buddy. See you later. You're going to Omaha. Have a good one. Where it's like, dude, Arthur's so cool. Like, hey, Arthur, I know there's nothing now. There's a position in Nebraska, but we're going to give it to this guy. You know, but if something pops up in New York, you know, I'll be sure to recommend you. It's like something like that. Yeah. That, that can happen too. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think what we were just talking about is all around the authentic, authenticity, right? Authentic slash autonomous. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last point was like connected, right? So I, that also back to my social media, right? Like, are just, we really con- more connected now? Yeah, you, you can sure you can reach to someone, but the, I, you know, our minds work more with physical interactions right. and like face to face and stuff like that. And sure, yeah, you can WebEx someone and you can facetime someone and you can see them but like it's not the same as having someone physically there right to, ha- to have that conversation and i feel like it's actually making people more distant and I think so. um you know joe, joe rogan mentioned this on one of his uh i'm uh, doing the joey plug here i'm, just saying, <laughs> I'm getting harder now. Just, <laughs> um, but it's just like you don't really get the same social cues anymore when you're talking to someone on the phone or you're talking to someone through text right, right. like you can't really tell um, whether someone's actually upset or whether right. someone is just being uh, how sh- someone's feeling, shorter, yeah, right. exactly, because you're not getting that emotion behind what they're saying. So that's how sometimes when you read texts uh, two days later, when you're not mad and you think of like, oh, that's not what they were saying at all. Yeah. Like, I was being such an asshole because you were projecting your anger into their words. Yeah. Right. But like, if I'm talking to you and you're like, hey, how you doing? I'm not like, dude, calm down, you fucking asshole. Like, don't <laughs> yell at me. But it's like you don't. People feel that way at text. Did they type two dots on accident, or are they upset? <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you see people type, and it's like, because you think of, oh, I would type that if I like was in this mood. But it's like, yeah. oh no, this person just texts like that all the time because right. it's just their style yeah. of communication. Right. I think one of the most interesting things that the uh, Sebastian yeah. had pointed out uh, around this was, and I actually didn't think this was true, but. 
apparently getting held as a baby, being held enough, is actually very important. I did not know that. Yeah, babies can die if they don't get held. Like I didn't I didn't know like if they didn't get like enough like skin to skin contact yeah. and stuff, yeah. like they don't develop well. Like so that's Nico, crazy. Nico was in mother baby, that was her first unit, and one of their She was what? Mother baby was the unit. Oh, okay. <laughs> was this unit as a nurse, she originally worked that was her very first nursing job, like post college. Okay. And one of her jobs was like they'd hold babies. Okay. And just, just wow. hold them and comfort yeah. them and stuff because babies need attention. Like huh. <laughs> that's like a joke with like girls needing attention or else they'll die. Like that's actually babies. Yeah, so there actually is a basis behind daddy issues, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a real thing. Yeah, but yeah. Like if you don't have parents who if you have parents who don't love you, it will can really fuck up your psychology. Yeah. Yeah. And health. Yeah, being uh, having that connect, feeling of connection is definitely very important. Um, I think I think one of the most interesting things they were talking about uh, with regards to, like feeling connected to people was how um, they're saying in England when they were getting raided during World War II, uh, they were being forced into bomb shelters all the time, right? And people were actually like relatively happy living in these bomb shelters with complete strangers, and they formed uh, like laws essentially and gov- self-govern themselves yeah very it was much. like unwritten rules right and just it was governed by the people yeah and and i guess it's just very interesting when like when we're fo- forced into pro- close proximity uh and forced to have to work together you know really it really brings out a different side in humans that we don't really see anymore that yeah. that was also when they talked about um how people going to work like you thought of like I could get blown up on the way to work. Like I'm just happy that I'm able to go out and actually get there, have my job, and then get back to a bomb shelter. Like right. that, you actually felt good about going to work because you had the ability to go. Where now it's like, I want to go outside. I want to go to the fucking. I want to go to the park. I want to go ha- play basketball with my friends. I don't want to go to work. Right. But when bombs are blowing up, it's like you appreciate it. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of like taking things for granted, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like. The situation, right? One hundred percent. Could I take my nine to five job <laughs> and deal with having bombs blasting outside, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like people, where depression rates went down when bombs are going off. So yeah, that whole area, I guess, is something which I was curious what you guys think about. Um, so, so to kind of give some background, uh, essentially, the author was arguing that a lot of people, civilians, and uh, veterans alike um they actually miss war to some degree um Mm. because of all the brotherhood the bonds that are formed the the idea that you have to be brought together as a group and work together um and he seemed to be theorizing that uh, a big cause of ptsd is not actually the thing that caused like not being like shelled and stuff that's causing it but rather um when you are reintegrated into society um you you being an outsider an outsider and also like not having that sense of like connectedness that you mm-hmm. felt before kind of brings a lot more stress back to you mm-hmm. um at least that's what he seemed to be arguing um and, and yeah and it's like of uh they don't understand like and no one knows what you're going through and you just feel alone like in a like in a space you're in a small room in the corner just alone but if you're with 10 other people that you're close to, like, you're okay. Right. And, and I guess what I was trying to ask, sorry, I, I guess the, what I was trying to ask is, like, you know, are we, are we just looking at it through rose-tinted glasses, though? Like, 
do do people do you think people these people really miss war or like yeah my friend misses war really like he misses he misses being he thought about reenlisting and stuff if he didn't have a wife and kids he would have because he missed he missed being over there with like his brothers but but is it the fact that he was with like his brothers or the fact that it was war right is that, is that what you're asking well or, i guess both because it's connected though right like yeah. war comes with that I mean, if we could sit around and do stuff, do tasks together, because it brings up the competency. You feel competent because you have these right. tasks you have to do and you get them done. You're authentic, like in a sense of like you're being who you think you are, and then you're you have that human correct connection. Right. Yeah. So it's like that's the three things, but unfortunately, with society, like the best way to get that is by enlisting and fighting. But, but I, I guess the weird thing about it was, like, he, he was always citing, like, lower depression, low, lower, like, different, like, anxiety and stuff like that um, was lower during war. And mm-hmm. it's almost like, like, I, I don't want to say, like, they're not, that, that wouldn't be correct, but I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's correlation causation in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't necessarily know if less war means that there will be less depression. Like, if anything, maybe a lot of depressed people maybe they're getting killed maybe they're i, I don't know like, well, I, I think the thing is like what you like think about the things we get depressed about nowadays social media like life all this shit that is constantly surrounding you and then there's nothing really good that makes you feel like you know what like who cares that i'm not doing as well as everyone else and that i don't get to go on vacations and I have a job i hate like i have this like that doesn't really exist but when you're at war and stuff it's like it's like when you, when people say they run marathons and stuff like all the time and they do hard, hard workouts. Mm-hmm. When you just go and sit on the couch after a terribly hard workout, you're just thankful that you're not doing that hard workout. So you actually like enjoy whatever you're doing. And at war, when you're not being shot at, you're enjoying the moment of just like, I'm not being bombed right now. Like, We're just here together chatting and we're not going to die right now. Even if it's only 10 minutes, like... Let's enjoy the ten minutes. So, uh, going, I guess, going back to your point on like the depression. So, could could you just like clarify what you you meant about? So, that? basically, some of the stuff that they were saying was um, uh, a lot of psychologists during World War Two. They were saying that uh, reported cases and like new subscriptions for uh, depression medication and things like that. Uh, there was no real increase during times of war, and if anything, it seems that. Um, fewer people have issues with depression than in during times of war. Just the gen- general public, or is it yeah. specifically yeah. for people? That general are public. Busted? Okay. Because yeah. like the the worry to survive surpasses the worry of like FOMO. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, so I guess maybe in a way, maybe during war, you probably have more anxiety than anything, but less depression. Maybe. Well, it's like you're probably more alert. And that's everything. anxiety, right? Uh, in a way in a way in a way in a way it's like a form of anxiety but then like but like I guess, I, what yeah. I'm trying to say I guess is like physiologically we we developed anxiety as a response to stay alert right like yeah. you're you're on alert because you're anxious and like you, oh you want to like caught out yeah right but like you're worried about like a girl what a girl is doing like your girlfriend is doing or what your boyfriend is doing oh yeah like, different and kind you're of freaking anxiety. out for hours instead of being like oh my god bombs might drop like it's completely different, but apparently it affects people way more, like, this kind of bullshit. Yeah, it might, might have to do with, like, you know, going back to the connectedness. Like, if you're fighting a war, you're going to be on 
likely going to be on one side over the other, right? right? So if you're on that side, there's going to be other people on that side with you, right? So it's like you're supporting the same side and you're kind of connected with people on that side. And maybe mm-hmm. that could potentially be one of the reasons why depression doesn't increase during wartime because it's mm-hmm. like you still have that... that um, I wouldn't really say camaraderie, but like you have that sense of connectedness with the, other people. They, it's been said that the, the the nicest that New York City has ever been was right after 9-11. Right. That was the only time that New Yorkers were actually kind yeah. to everybody. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Short-lived. Because, yeah, it's like everyone's like assholes and stuff and everyone's angry. But after that, it was just like, it, you're a community. Like, we're, we're in this together. Right. But then, you know, slowly and slowly, it's more of like, Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, right. fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, and I guess going off of that, I, um, I, I maybe it's just me, but I think it's a real shame that it takes disaster or tragedy to really bring us together. Um, like, they always say, like, you never forget, like, for the generation before us, they, they remember wh- where they were when they heard that JFK was assassinated. And mm-hmm. they say, for our generation, you remember where you were when 9-11 happened. Fourth grade, classroom. Yeah, you know, I, I was in the classroom, too. Well, I didn't get it. I didn't understand what happened. And yeah. they said, a, a teacher finally told us the World Trade Center got hit by a plane. And I was like, okay, what's that mean? <laughs> kids were going home one at a time. Parents were picking them yeah, up. Yeah, I didn't go yeah. home. I was one of, like, four kids really? left yeah, in the class. Same. My parents didn't pick me up. My yeah. parents picked me up. Because my, my dad was actually in the building at the time. Yeah? Yeah. I did not know that. I, I think I've, I've told the story before. Um, no, I've never he, heard He got out, obviously, but um, he, he was in the building that, that morning, actually. Wow. Crazy. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like I was saying, it's, it's a real shame that that's what it takes for us to really bond together, mm-hmm. you know? Like, like, <laughs> it, like, it just shows us that we're capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, do we just not let ourselves? Like, what is what is it? I, I want to say it was the David Sinclair Joe Rogan podcast, but apparent, apparently it takes about, like, 10,000 years for our genetics to change, like, mm-hmm. to fully adapt. So this whole new lifestyle of, like, how we live our lives is, what, 50 years old? Yeah. So we got, like, 9,950 years, but... Before we're adapted to this, right. we can't even adapt because things are changing so fast. Exactly. Yeah, it just restarts it's every year. It's too fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's like it's it's gonna be such a weird future for us, really, if you think about where we're going. Hey, um, I, I don't know if you, I didn't see Wild Wild Country, but we could just get all our friends to take over a town and <laughs> go somewhere and then just run things ourselves. I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like, like. I, I, I don't want to say like I want an alien invasion, but I feel like that's what it, that's that's what it's gonna take for humanity to be united, I'm right? I'm pretty sure Reagan enemy. said that. Really? I, I think Did so. He? <laughs> about yeah, it's a conspiracy thing about like uh, about one world government mm-hmm. is like the idea of aliens are a conspiracy by the government to try to eventually be like oh an alien thing is attacking, so we should create one world government to rule. But really, it's just going to be the powers to try to take over the world, like, together. Yeah. Right. That's right. a conspiracy. Yeah. That was, like, the whole plot of Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> really? Much. Yeah, like, they had def- different nations, and they all banded together to fight, like, the one guy that was trying to end the world. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, how many superhero movies have been that? Hey, like, uh, Black Panther was like that. Hey, I know we've been at war forever, but we're going to lose our home if they, you don't help. And then they become best friends and, like... They cure the, the fight, like the fighting between them. 
Yeah, you good? Yeah, my phone almost fell off my, <laughs> my lap. Um, and yeah, like, I, I just think, I think we're more than capable of doing it. I think it's going to take time. Um, I, I think, you know, if our society can, you know, properly instill different values into people, I think we can reach a point where, you know, we could be truly united, but um, I just don't know if our society is going that way right now. I, I highly doubt it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, just with social media, I, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like it's kind of accented this whole focus on materia- material things and narcissism narcissist like exactly like the whole the whole idea the ego egoism i think is what it's called mm-hmm. um essentially that you are the center of the world and you need to do what you need to do for what for what's best for you and and i do think that's a good way to live because we're forced to live that way mm-hmm. um you know if we if we had a different society i think i think we'd be perfectly happy um not having to do all the things we do now mm. Beer, boners, brain damage, family. This podcast was not brought to you by the NFL on CBS. So, white culture has always been kind of in the looks of things of like white people always stealing other people's culture. (laughs) And if you, in that book, it actually talks about it, not in terms of like stealing it, but they said there was men who lived in the, um, I guess, the communities with the English who would dress up with Native Americans and, like, they would go out, but they wouldn't take care of their kids and their wife would be like, hey, like, I know you're trying to do this, but how come our baby's sleeping on, like, a block of wood with, like, a wood pillow? Oh, yeah, and yeah. And it's like, oh, he'll be okay. Like, here's a wood shirt. And then he goes off into the woods with, like, his... His, uh, like, half-ass pants with his ass hanging out. Like, I want to be an Indian. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you take that dude. And then it's, like, the guy who's, like, sees what, like, black people are doing. And, like, oh, I want to do that. Or sees what Indian people are doing. Like, oh, I don't, I don't like this Western culture. Like, I want to do that. So I think it's, like, white Western culture has always been kind of trash. And that's why white people are always just trying to take whatever they can from others. <laughs> culture-wise. Um... I don't, I don't, I don't have any facts or anything to, to back that. I don't know. But it's kind of funny. Of like, it's always been like that. Where like, there's always been dudes in the group that don't want to be a part of. Like they, they're right. like, I don't. This is what this is what our background is. Like we we're right. farmers and we wear these stupid clothes and act proper and like have to talk polite and right. sound like I have a stick up my ass all the time. Like that's what I'm supposed to do. But but if you really think about it, our culture now, even globally, really. It's completely not completely, but like it's it's very much European, like yeah. E- even in Asian countries, for example, a lot of a lot of our values are very, I guess, being starting to be influenced by like European thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting to see, I guess, because uh, because a lot of Asian countries in particular, for example, um, are very communal by by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, they very much believe in like the family and things like that, right? Um, while, you know, the American dream is all about, you know, you going out there, <laughs> making money, like f- finding, fulfilling your dreams. The house with the white fence, like right. the nice big house with the white fence. And it's not like, uh, no, an okay house. Like 
you know, enough for your family. It's like, no, you want you want the nice house. Right. The good fence, the tall fence. Right. You want your neighbors to be jealous of what you got. Right. And, and I think maybe it's that, that base, I guess, culture within us. Like It's almost bred into... Because many of us are like first-generation Americans, I guess. The first generation, not... Second. Second generation, me. yeah. Oh, really? You're only second generation? My... my actually not well both grandfathers were f- are were immigrants both grandmothers were born here okay okay so is so that like- their parents are I, actually i don't my yeah i think my great grandpas of like i think my great grandparents were all immigrants i want to say okay so, so you're like third generation three and a half yeah three and a half so. two and a half two, two and, and a half. half two and a half because, all right, do you consider yourself first generation or do you consider yourself second generation? First. Yeah, that's what I think. Because some people argue, like, if your parents came here, no. they're first generation. No, no that, make, that makes no sense. No, they're immigrants. Yeah, exactly. It's immigrants, first generation. <laughs> yeah, come on, people. It's not that complicated. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but so so basically, like, there's, there's that's, that's, I think that's very much why, um, you know, we see, like, communism in, like, at least before it rose up in China. Uh, just because it, it's very around the idea of like, hey, we're a family, we share these things, and, and meanwhile in Western culture, it's very much around capitalism, where it's, hey, like, you own this, you work for this, you do this, like that, that kind of an attitude instead. Um, and it's just interesting to think about how, you know, it's kind of shaped who we are today. Very, mm-hmm. you know. Do you think it's also because Americans are kind of crazier in a sense of, like, your parents lived in a different country. Thousands of miles away, and we're like, you know what? Fuck this place. Let's let's go to America and figure it out. Like, do you have a lot of money? No. Do you have a lot of skills you can use? Like, maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And then you get on a boat, you get on a plane, and you come thousands of miles, and you start fresh. Like, that takes a lot of balls. I think I think back in the day that was more prevalent, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's the same anymore. To be honest, like maybe from. Maybe people like coming from over the border. I feel like that might be more relevant, mm-hmm. but I feel like for a lot of, um, at least from people I know, like people who came directly from China, mm-hmm. um, I feel like a lot of them came from very affluent people before. So um, they came with money. Like, yeah, they exactly. Didn't have to struggle to figure it exactly. out. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like I, 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 like there's a stereotype that a lot of uh, cab drivers, for example, are, are like brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stereotype is that they all used to be doctors in India. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that stereotype is like surprisingly true. Where like a lot of like affluent people in or other countries mm-hmm. came to the U.S. because they had money in other countries, but then they came to the U.S. for a better life and everything. But they ended up having to be like a cab driver or something just yeah, because like they don't speak the language. Education doesn't transfer. Exactly. Over. Yeah. Exactly. I've heard that before too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor there, nobody here. It's like the. Uh... The office. The office, yeah. <laughs> There's the in Japan. <laughs> uh, number one heart surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> Steady hand. <laughs> so crazy, though. But even think of how crazy that is to be like, you know, I'm doing the best I can over here, but this place kind of sucks. So I'm going to go try over there, see what can happen. So, so do you guys think that... Because like, I'd almost think that we are communal by nature, right? Mm-hmm. But how, how do you think this whole attitude came about? Like, how did we become this? 
the whole attitude of not we're like we're we're no longer so communal where we're we're tribal you know uh wait where we're tribal in a sense like we're we're less tribal now than we used to be like we're very confined to small tiny groups of just your family and friends right rather than like oh you're you're (laughs) with a tribe maybe having better things than other people and not wanting to share them yeah yeah I mean, I think it also is due to just urbanization and, and like industrial industrialization, uh, for right. a better word, um, and how like you know people settle down now, but like you're not settling down with your tribe; you're settling down with your close family, and then maybe like right. you have cousins that live in another state and stuff like that, right? So it's not like you're still getting that same communal feel because now you're more spread out and all over you know, like all over the world in a sense, right? So it's, it's not like you can easily um, get together with, you know, quote unquote, your tribe anymore because just how how the world has, has changed since, um, That's true. you know, when you were, you know, nomadic and whatnot. That's true. So. Yeah, I, I, uh, me personally, I guess, I think, I think once we hit agriculture, it completely changed who we are. Um, not having to hunt and stuff. Um, and owning your own crops but even then like why why do you think we didn't develop a society where you know like we shared crops you know like we all farm i mean i guess i guess it makes sense but like why didn't the society prevail like that you know but also to think about how many people like us included have never hunted or farmed right we just go to a store up oh, here's your food oh thank you you don't know where it was how it was made what right. what work got put into it you're just i'm hungry you eat it i'm full okay nothing no connection no anything you don't give a fuck yeah yeah so i guess the argument is like when you were living in a tribe people would share right their you know, everything whatever, yeah exactly everything. like whatever they hunted whatever they uh got hunted, hunted and gathered um they would share that with like the rest of the tribe right but like now you have people who are farming and they're not they're not just giving it away right right and I guess, yeah, I guess that's part of, I think Joey mentioned this before, it's just like, yeah, like, I made this. Right. Like, I put in all this time and effort into it. Like, this is mine. Right. Um, but wouldn't hunting be the same way? Like, even even if there are, even if hunting is more distributed in terms of, like, coordination and effort, wouldn't, wouldn't there still be some hunters who naturally are just not as good of hunters and don't contribute? Well, maybe they don't contribute as much, but maybe it's like, I want to bring back the animal in the whole village is like oh shit james got a deer let's go james james is the man let's go and everyone's hugging you like great job and you're just like yeah i'm the fucking man everyone loves me like like yeah here's have some deer everybody like i i did it like i'm here yeah you're welcome and it's like that kind of community of like you you have that purpose you have that meaning so like when you're just kind of doing stuff and no one really cares it kind of takes that away and then it's just a job that you don't want true so i guess like two things right one is probably specialization right yeah so that's that, a big one that came around probably the same time that like agriculture, agriculture stuff right. Happened, right because now you have people that are specialized into doing certain jobs right mm-hmm. and i guess that was technically there before too because you had the you know people that were specifically there for hunting gathering and whatnot but i think what goes with that is also like developing a system to barter and whatnot, mm, right? Yeah. Because like, right. 
yeah, I'm a farmer. I grew an entire field of plants. I can't consume all this, right? But at the same time, like, yeah, he can give it away to his tribe, but his tribe isn't going to be enough to consume all all the plants that he came, right? So, like, that's probably where they started doing the trading of, hey, like, I'll give you some of my corn for, um, you know, that deer that you hunted the other day, Mm -hmm. right? And then that eventually built up to, like, you know, money and right. capitalism and stuff like that and that's yeah. where we are the now. idea i've heard about that is like hey i have hay uh can i get uh, i have hay like can i get a table and it's like well i don't want hay like well how am i gonna get a table i only have hay it's like uh, i don't know you can go to the chair guy and see if he wants hay and then <laughs> you can give me chairs for a table yeah. but instead it's like hey let's just share this common thing that we all get use out of and then it works from there and if bear doesn't stop biting my clothes i'm gonna be very mad <laughs> Yeah. For those who don't know, Bear is a very needy dog, and uh, Papa Papa Moshella is not giving, is is not holding Bear enough, and Bear might be developing weirdly as a result. Yeah, he's being unbearable right now. <laughs> he's he's a clinger, and he wants to be cuddled. All right, so let me ask you guys: Do you think we're? Do you think selfishness is just inherent in us, like, or even in animals, or or is it uniquely unique to humans? So selfishness in animals. They well, obviously there's like solo hunters, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're selfish, right? Uh, so like deer, uh, elk. They talk about an an elk will have like a old male. The ones that they hunt will have like twenty calf, like twenty females, mm-hmm. and one will run away and he'll f- freak out and go chase her. Like I don't want nineteen girls. I want twenty. Get the <laughs> fuck back here. <laughs> And, like, that's why they hunt those, like, to, to help out everyone. So then, like, the younger ones have more of a chance and, like, it helps con- conservation. But it's, like, animals are that greedy where it's, like, I need 20 pussy right now, right. whenever I want. 19 ain't good enough. And I'm trying to find 21. But is that selfishness or is that just natural instinct of wanting to Want pass more. on your genes? But that, I wouldn't really consider it selfishness, right? It's just like they, they're they built to pass on their genes, right? So the more they have, the more genes they can pass on. But that would right? be selfish, right? To try to just pass, to hold everyone and pass your genes to everyone. But is it selfish? They don't know it is. So yeah. like, it's different. But like, if you have the genetically superior genes, is that selfish? If you're passing on better genes to the next population of deer? But how would you know? That's they don't know, but that's exactly because yeah. they don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they, but they assume <laughs> I got the best cum. Here it is. This is for you. Brought to you by Deer Cum. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, Hope you enjoyed that, Dad. <laughs> what was I gonna say? I lost my train of thought. Uh, we were oh, talking about deer yeah, cum. Yeah, uh, knowing. <laughs> yeah, how could I forget? I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um, must be something in the deer come. <laughs> but yeah, so so in terms of like figuring out who has the superior genes, that's like why animals fight, right? And that's why like you have the males fighting each other and right. whichever one wins yeah. is like, hey, like I deserve to pass on my genes because I fought you for Yeah, and I won. This. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I don't, like I guess I'm having a hard time considering that selfishness of trying to just pass no, it's on like your that genes. that went from men doing that to men like being like, oh, I have this better tool to like, I have this better job, I have this better car, right? Like, it went to material things. That's like, that makes sense. that's why they say people drive nice cars, 
So you know they have a nice car. Like, you know that I'm better than you. Right. I have a Lamborghini. You don't. No, yeah, so, I, I can see that. I, I guess it's just, um, it's it's inherent in how we understand life, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess just because we are so self-aware, we, we have more self-awareness than any other animal, obviously. Yeah. We're able to think about thinking, which is <laughs> absurd, yeah. really. We named the brain. The yeah. brain named the brain. Yeah. Um, so are you, so is the argument like whether selfishness is nature versus nurture? No, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is more so because we're self-aware, selfishness is very human because you're aware that you're being selfish, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess that's just kind of how I viewed it. I agree that. Okay. I agree with that. I like that. Yeah, no, I think I misunderstood what the original question was. I thought it was... Well, I was just asking, uh, like, do you think humans are inherently selfish? Oh, yeah. So that, that was the original question. So inherently meaning, like, you're born with the ability to be yes, selfish, sure. right? So, yes. yeah, that... That is... Okay, we, I guess we didn't quite talk about that then. Like, mm, Well, little kids, the me phase, everything is mine. But do you think that's because they learned it from their parents? No, that, it's like a thing every kid goes through where they just, like, they're, they're figuring out, like, no, like, this is mine, I want this. Right. And it's like you have to teach them, like, no, not you, not everything is yours. And then they go, it's like a stage, yeah. terrible twos, I'm pretty sure. I remember uh, my brother back in the day, he, we went to the, this guy's house, our friend, and he had this like dinosaur toy, like big ass dinosaur. And my brother, um, he's, he was always like a little, little rowdier of a kid, I guess. And, you know, he sees this dinosaur, he loves it, he's hugging it and everything. And we have to leave, and he's not going to leave without the fucking dinosaur. And they, like the other kid was like crying like no like don't let him take my dinosaur then my brother was crying like i want the dinosaur and they had to like bring him into the car bring the dinosaur in and then like take it out the other side just to like trick my brother to like realize like (laughs) oh but yeah yeah exactly and uh, so i I can see what you're saying like yeah like we do very much want like we just want things yeah Yeah. it's got to be taught that you don't get it's that's not how life works right I, i think that's i mean you, you might have changed my opinion because I, 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 I was originally going to say that, he, you know, people aren't necessarily inherently selfish, right? Like you, you see a lot of times and, and I, I guess it might be part of just the situation you're in now, right? Like people aren't inherently selfish if they're put in a place where it's more survival based, right? Like life or death, because at that point they want to collaborate with, with each right. other to, you know, make sure that both of them both people or all the people can keep living uh, there there's a group they talked about on the joe rogan podcast like in the past week of uh there was two groups that were stranded on an island and one worked together and the other uh, and like all like say like 12 members lived and were able to escape but of the other group 16 of the 19 died and only three survived and there was like cannibalism and shit like mm. shit got crazy because they just did not like they weren't I guess ready to survive and certain people ended up probably leading the group coming up with certain ideas of like hey you know Arth sucks we should just eat Arth and then we'll all be better (laughs) off and then you know who knows sometimes one fucking cancer in a group can destroy a whole group right so somewhat somewhat related somewhat unrelated to what you were talking about just now Mm -hmm. um but there was a chapter where they were talking about coal miners Mm -hmm. and coal miners who got trapped and um, how they kind of formed a group in order to survive and the different roles people took. Um, and it seemed like he was arguing kind of two main roles. 
uh, people who lead by like action and mm-hmm. people who help boost morale. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess just like just curious, like what what do you think? If we were in a group, what kind of what kind of a leader do you think you would be? I'm trying to think about this, but for football. Yeah, like I guess even thinking in like real terms, like in real life examples, do you have anything like when when you were in a football team, were you like like one of those like you just go out, you hustle, you show people you work hard, or were you like boosting everybody, you know, stuff like that? It was like both. It it was uh, like I was someone who whenever I made a good play, I never cheered or anything. But when, like, if Arth made a tackle, I'd go up to Arth and, like, give you a high five and be like, great job, Arth. Like, good sure. job. But then when I did something, I'd just get up and be like, yeah, like, I expected to do that. Like, okay, whatever. Unrelated question. How, how much butt slapping is there in football, actually? Just curious. Um, as much as you think there would be, and then more. All right. So what about you, Arth? Any thoughts on what you would be? I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't really think I'd be the type of person to, like, hype other people up because right. I really barely hype myself up um, <laughs> but I, I feel like it'd be more uh, I'd be more like um, trying to calm people's that, that's still morale though worry. yeah so that's still be morale yeah so yeah I guess that True. calm people's worries and just try to be a voice of reason if people are going crazy right right so for me I feel like I feel like I might be one of the people who takes action I don't know like I feel like I'm very much one of those types of people who just like when you get something done let's just do it you know like, and I force the case, and uh, I don't think I'm, like, bad for morale. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully not. No. Um, no, but... you just, you put your head down and you work, and then yeah. you're like, hey, here's what I did. Yeah. Um, but I guess in, in a weird way, I, I can see why that would be, like, kind of cold, where it's just, like, if you're just working all the time, you know? Like, you're just the person who just, like, does the work and stuff. It's just a style. It's, like, it's, right. it's literally just a style of, like, how you prefer. Because, like, you, you've seen people who try to hype other people up. And they're, like, faking it or, like, really pretending. And it's, like, uh, just sit down. Like, stop talking. Right. Like, you're, you're not helping. <laughs> I feel like you've seen it in, like, a movie or, like, a TV show where someone does it and, like, tries to give a speech and no one cares. And then someone else starts talking and everyone's like, listens. I can picture a movie scene, like, kind of thing in my head, but I have no idea what it's from. <laughs> if someone has any idea what I'm talking about, a situation like that. Comment down below. Oh, uh, they made fun of it in Not Another Teen Movie. I remember that. I haven't watched that. Yeah. All right, so it's like a parody on like the teen movies. Okay. And the guy goes to give Sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he like the guy gives a speech and everyone's like, oh my god, like amazing, like yeah, go get her. And then the other guy comes like the kind of loser, like the annoying guy who's obsessed with the girl, tries to go and give the speech and everyone's like, shut the fuck up, like get out of here. <laughs> it is kind of like that, like. Damn. Sometimes people just don't don't react to the person who's trying to do the hype they can see through yeah. it yeah. it's like you're not confident you're not giving making me feel good your legs are shaking yeah you're, <laughs> you're muttering like sit down sick and tired of your kids asking questions on the way home bring them into not McDonald's for a trash burger filled with carbs and fat that'll be guaranteed to put them to sleep What's a little poison now? It doesn't matter. They love it. Uh, that's asking for either a lawsuit or not being funny. I realize, like, when I see concierges that I talk to or is like cool, like it actually makes me happier to see them when I get home and say like, "Hi, how you doing?" and have like a little chit chat. With what? 
the concierge at the apartment. Oh, yeah. And it's like a community thing. Right, and I'm sure they appreciate it too, because yeah. like they probably have so many faces come by them every day who don't say anything. Exactly, right? and it's like when if you've ever worked customer service or like retail, and you're just like, "Hey, how you doing?" and someone walks right by you without looking at you or looks at you like, "Shut, <laughs> fucking talk to me." Yeah, it's we, like very demoralizing. We have security at like the office, uh-huh. and I, I normally say like "Hi, good morning" to the guy that's there, and. Um, Today, like not today, uh, like the other, like earlier, I think Thursday or, or Friday, he, he called me brother, and I was like, brother, yeah, I got respect. <laughs> it's like you know what? Because he looks at it like you know what? All these fucking dudes look down on me because I'm sitting security and they walk past me and treat me like shit. But you know what? Like, you're a fucking good dude. Yeah. That's what people love about Keanu Reeves. They say he yeah. treats the fucking boom mic guy the same as he does the director. Yeah, I've always said that I think you can tell a lot about a person based on how they treat wait staff. Mm. Um, like I've I've had friends who in the past like, man, they are assholes to wait. Like some people are just assholes to waiters mm-hmm. straight up, and and sometimes waiters deserve it, sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, like they're just doing their job. Like he, please, like Kim Kim always talks to me about like retail stuff, uh-huh. um, and how like people are always complaining about things like that. And it's just like you need to realize that people are. People are just out there hustling, just like you. And sure, like maybe you didn't get your exactly what you wanted. It's okay to like mention it mm-hmm. and complain, but you don't need to like ruin people's days and and it, make it such a big deal. And also, they didn't cook the fucking food. Yeah. Yeah. They wrote down the chef fucked up, and you know what? Whatever. But like, I've gone out with certain friends where I'll check how much they tipped, and I'll tip really? extra for them because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> like if I like, there's a certain friend that would tip like ten percent. Mm-hmm. And I would I would see how much would make it twenty, and I would leave extra. And like I I got caught one time. He's like, "Why you tip so much?" It's like, uh, you know, like they're just work. They're like us. They're just trying to make money. Like, oh, they don't deserve it. Like, all right, well, right. I mean, maybe you should be a waiter and make ten ten percent tip and see how you feel. Right. I actually went to a restaurant the other day. Um, no tipping establishment. I don't know if you guys have seen these in the U.S. It's they starting to come them, up. They pay them per hour. Yeah. Yeah, it's a new it's a new model. Yeah. Um, there are arguments both ways, which I kind of understand, though. Because um, some waiters, I've heard, make good money off tips. The right? argument is it's better for people who don't work the hot hours and way worse for the people that, that right. do work them. Because right. if you work a Friday night, you can make 300 bucks, But if you work a Monday morning and afternoon, you could make like 50 Right. That's true. So it's like it balances that out. Not only that, but like I, I heard some of these non-tipping places might give like benefits as well. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure. They might Probably. give some health benefits maybe. Um, and, and that right there is, that's a lot of value, honestly. $300, $278 a month. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tipping is stupid. I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't like tipping at all. Like, just give me the price. Yeah. And let me just... I, I like that. I like knowing the price, but yeah, like I prefer not to have to tip. Right. But like if, I feel like it f- makes me feel good when I leave a tip. Yeah. Like, if someone deserves it... Like, it, like in no tipping places, you can still tip if you think they want, deserve yeah. a tip. You know? There's like, I, when I go to Las Americas, I give them a dollar every time. Right. Because I love the food. They're so nice. And it's like... It makes me feel good, like, that... Because they're charging so cheaply, and they don't really... Like, like Lucas said, dude, they're charging a dollar twenty-five for these empanadas. They could charge two fifty. It's like, well, they don't, so I'll give them an extra dollar right. for now. And they're kind of like they're also just doing it for the community. I think exactly. You know? They're not trying to become rich, right? And that's like kind of the rich versus the community right. look right there. Yeah, no, that's 
that's a great that's a great way to put it honestly yeah. full circle yeah full, full circle. fucking circle as um, always <laughs> yeah so hope you guys uh enjoyed our podcast any any final thoughts from you guys anything you want to talk about I've been saying it for a year now, but I highly recommend reading this book or listening to the audio audiobook. Like it's very beneficial. I really like it, and I'm so glad that you you read it. You listened to it. I listened to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a whole another topic, but just in in general, like how social media is playing in in mm-hmm. um, people and the relationships they have with other people nowadays is definitely becoming an issue. So. It's just something people need to kind of keep an eye out for because it's very toxic, very toxic. Do you think? Do you think building tribes, communities again? Do you think that's possible? Do you think it'll be possible in the world we live in nowadays? It might end up happening if all the division and craziness right. keeps happening, where people just say, "You know what? Fuck this. Let me start my own group, and we're gonna go over here." Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe if we even uh, colonize other planets and we start. Instead of having nations fight each other, we have planets fighting each other. Wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. But we have a, a Star Destroying a weapon because they don't believe in the same thing we do. So we're just going to kill all million of them. <laughs> the whole planet. We're the Empire. Be on our team. We're the nice guys. We're the good guys. <laughs> the Jedi are bad. When you say it like a kid like that, it makes it sound not as terrible as it would be in real life to blow up a planet and kill a million people. Happens all the time. I mean, maybe not planets. <laughs> I say, I don't maybe know. not planets, but like but, yeah. a lot of people have been killed. Do you know yeah. that's something that we don't? Drone strikes. I mean, yeah, 80,000 people got killed, but you know, we got three terrorists. That was worth it. Yeah. Um, I, I, definitely, uh, I definitely recommend this book. Um, it, it's... Even if you don't necessarily believe in all the ideas, I think it's thought-provoking. Um, and I, I think there, I think it does hold some truths, though. I think there's some human elements that we are, really are missing nowadays. And, you know, I think at least being aware of different ideas and different thoughts, I think, can help contribute to just creating a better society. Um, Arth, you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say to the, the fans out there? Um, if they want, to, if you want them to reach out to you at all on social media, anything like that, or I don't really have social media. Yeah, <laughs> smart man. He's a man of his word. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kingdom Hearts three. Kingdom Hearts three. It's not as great as I expected it to be, but still play it. That's about it. That's about it. Any final thoughts, Joe? You want to say hi to anybody? Your dad. Yeah, hey dad. Thanks for listening. I hope you uh, got this far. You probably have since uh, you're a pretty supportive dude. But uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed and maybe you'll listen to the book. And uh, maybe uh, I'll, I'll tell everyone why you're a Cowboys fan sometime. Yeah, and um, if, if people are interested, I don't, I don't know how likely this will happen, but you know, we were thinking of potentially starting a book club type of thing. If you want to read along, join the discussion with us, reach out, let us know. Um, yeah. Thank you, everyone. Much love, and uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.